welcome lighting nerds and friends to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast. My name is Lisa Bartlett. Thank you for joining me yet again. You know how much I always appreciate you for turning tuning into the podcast and, you know, for supporting the podcast, patreon.com slash lightfiles. Um, just, you know, hop on over there whenever you feel like it, and I appreciate it. Um, you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at lightfiles. And uh, thank you so much for being here and, uh, you know, being a part of the lighting uh, community. And I really appreciate you. So for the very first time today on The Light Files, I'm going to have a guest. But I made it an easy one. I really just grabbed him from my house. So (laughs) our guest this week is my husband, Frank Bartlett. And just to give you a little background on Frank, I know I've mentioned him on the podcast a time or two. Some of you may very well know Frank Bartlett, Um, but Frank is, um, well, he's retired now, but he's still semi-engaged in our community because he's still one of the owners of um, our showroom of Pace Lighting. Um, He is the reason I got into the lighting business to begin with. So if you hate listen to this podcast, um, you have him to blame. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, I wouldn't even be here. Um, (laughs) But uh, Frank is a master electrician. He has been an electrician since when? 1983. And he has lived in Savannah, Georgia and owned his own business since 1985 as um, an electrical contractor, a very successful one. And um, along the way, decided to open a lighting showroom. And that's how we came to be here. So, Frankie, my first question for you. Why do electricians not read the directions? (laughs) (laughs) Not answering that. (laughs) We don't need to know? Well, we fancy ourselves smart enough that we don't need the directions. So, if the occasion happens that we mess something up, we... uh, we then we look at the instructions, see how to fix it. <laughs> so the instructions are only there in the event of a crisis. Yeah. Or an error. Okay. Yeah. But until then. No, we don't use them. Irrelevant. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Well, we've all been wanting to know. So thank you for clearing that up for us. <laughs> so I did want to ask you, thank you, by the way, for coming and joining me and doing this. It is our first, it's the first interview episode. So we're giving this a test run to see if Lisa's even got the chops to be an interviewer or if I should just sit here and um, say things off the top of my own head. But I am really curious. You um, started pace lighting in 2001. Okay. Right. And Uh, then sure. Whatever I say. Okay. (laughs) And then in 2008, you made a decision to expand the business, correct? I think it was actually 2007 um, because we got so much ridicule for being in this depression and building this high end showroom. Right. It was us and the Lexus dealer next door that were, had the construction going on at the same time. And, uh, Generally thought of as ridiculous. Right, because it was just a a bad time for such. Yes. So um, are you happy you did it? Now I am. Uh, Because you don't have to do anything with it anymore? No, we were losing so much money when I first opened it. I didn't see the the depth of the recession. I I didn't realize people's 401k was going to get wiped out. Their savings accounts were in jeopardy. I... um, 
I just thought that um, it was just going to knock off those surface people. So, um, yeah, we were losing thousands and thousands, tens of thousands every month. And so what was your strategy to keep the business alive with all of those losses? What's the... And, and just giving like business advice when you reached that really terrible point, what was your go-to to try to fix it? Well, I was, I estimated what it was going to cost me to keep the building open if I just closed the business and just had to pay rent and uh, not rent more uh, loan payments and uh, power bill and insurance, and it was going to cost me thirty thousand miles dollars a month if I just didn't occupy the building. So that was my goal, was to get my losses down below 30000 so I could operate the business for the same losses as if I just shut the building. So as a business owner who's been through uh, the Great Recession and a few mini recessions before that, right, in the they 90s? They didn't feel too many at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Comparative. Right, but yeah. Um, what is What do you think has been your biggest asset for having a business that survived those times? Was it like the ability to pivot quickly, come up with new services? Like what do you attribute your uh, businesses surviving those times? On the contracting side or the lighting side? Um, either one, because they're both small independent businesses. Well, one's a little bigger, but... Well, yeah, that's tough. Okay. Uh, I didn't have a good strategy. My, my strategy was at, the, at the contracting shop was try to keep as many people, key people employed as I could. Um, so that required just tons of cash going back into the business just to support it, which, of course, the bank you know, didn't like. Right. You know. um, on the lighting side, um, I guess basically the same thing, you know, because mm -hmm. one business kind of fed off of the other. Right. Which it's really, really hard for an independent lighting showroom to operate as a true independent. I think most of the successful ones, maybe not all of them, but uh, usually have like an electrical contractor or an electrical distributor. And I don't know if I mean successful as much as I mean a uh, little horsepower behind it mm -hmm. to weather through those lean times, which is why you had so many lighting showrooms shut down during the 2008 recession. Right, you know. right. Uh, we were the only ones left in Savannah. Right, we yeah. were. We yeah. were. We're not the only ones anymore. We're not the only ones. Yeah. <laughs> so we're the only good ones. Right. That's right. Of course. So you, um, I've mentioned on the podcast before. So if you've listened, I, I believe I have said that um, Frank is a part of his business strategy with Pace Electric and being an electrical contractor. Um, who um, at the time specialized very much in multifamily construction. Um, you kind of started Pace Lighting as a way to boost up your own profitability at the contracting shop, correct? Yeah, correct. At the time, the biggest player in town, lighting showroom-wise, was Johnson Lighting. They've gone out of business since then. Uh -huh. and, um, and the problem with... Johnson Lighting is that it was a true independent and they weren't very well funded even though they had been in business for a long time. So uh, when a builder uh, gave them a lighting package, uh, they often didn't order the high-end pieces, the expensive pieces until the very last minute. So we'd end up going and trimming a house with 30-40% of the light fixtures 
And then, of course, the builder wanting to look as good as possible, he'd call the showroom, or the Johnson Lighting would call up the builder and say, hey, we've got the dining room piece in now, and uh, then they'd call me, want me to go to Johnson Lighting, pick it up, go hang it. Well, you know, we still don't have the master bath fixtures, the, for the foyer piece, the wall sconces. Right. Um, so I'd end up having to make three, four, five trips after I was technically finished with the house. And it was, it was, it was a lot. So... Um, I hooked up with a company, a builder out in Richmond Hill. We set up a little showroom in mm -hmm. his uh, uh, mezzanine, and that's how I got started selling light fixtures. And actually, uh, it was my first manufacturer was Thompson uh, Thomas, Thomas Lighting. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas Lighting. lighting I remember. Right. Yeah. I wanted it to be Progress, but yeah, you know, it didn't work out. Progress was too snooty at the time. No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when you started the lighting showroom, was there anything, were you envisioning selling to the broader public? Like, did you have some vision of the kind of service and selection that you wanted or did all that come later when you opened the store that we're in now? So the short version of this long story is that it started with that contractor in Richmond Hill. They were, they were, it was title construction was their name. And, um, then right next to the shop, a 600 square foot, uh, uh, space came available so I started a showroom down there uh, which was basically builder package showroom when right. nothing special mm -hmm. and then uh, when I built the new shop uh, I upgraded to like a 2,000 square foot uh, showroom and <clears throat> that was attached in the same building with the contracting shop there I didn't have any real designs on retail sales. I really just wanted to sell to the builders, sell to Pace Electric. Pace Electric got um, expanded. When I built that building, we had two or three empty offices. Mm -hmm. When I decided to build the showroom, we were doubled up in every office. Some offices tripled up with people. Wow. So I needed the lighting store you space. You needed the showroom space. <laughs> yeah. So I bought a property up, up the highway, went for a more retail location, right across the street from Ferguson Plumbing. Which At, was a strategy. Uh, it was the Home Depot Lowe's strategy. If right. you can't find what you want at Home Depot, you'll scoot across the street and go to Lowe's. Right. So um, <clears throat> anyway, we... Um, that's when I really thought I'd capitalize on my sales and get retail money in there because everything I was selling was so heavily discounted. But now everything we sell is heavily discounted, <laughs> <It> is <laughs> even the retail stuff. Because back when you opened the showroom, even the showroom we have now, pricing policies were way different. Sorry, the dogs are all engaged in the podcast recording with us, so if you hear them in the background... Um, when you opened the showroom, even then, pricing policies were much different, and the way discounts operated was so much different than it is in today's world just 13 years later. It was very confusing at the time because builders wanted their cut, you know, or some version of... Uh, some of them wanted to pass their savings on to the homeowner. Some of them wanted you to sell them at retail and then uh, build a builder at, uh, at their real cost. So we tried jacking things up like three times cost. Mm -hmm. We, we uh, uh, scrambled the part numbers, uh, just trying to make the homeowner feel like they were getting a better deal. But we had, mm -hmm. we had to have the higher margins there in order to be able to give the builders what they wanted. Right. So it was, it was pretty confusing. And then once all these manufacturers really started having names to their light fixtures, like uh, the, the Lunette or the, 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 the Frank or the, <laughs> you know, the Laura... 
um, then the scrambled part numbers didn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. The people could start looking at the internet and mm-hmm. look up by the name. Mm-hmm. You know? I remember when I started with you that everybody in the lighting world was just really coming on the internet. Right. And that was one of my first jobs, if you'll remember, yep. was to get Pace Lighting a website. Right. That was a whole story all on its own. I was very, very glad when we were able to just not scramble part numbers. That was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, if you put your electrician hat back on and forget the fact that you own a lighting showroom, maybe... Speaking as an electrical contractor, if you were going to advise other lighting showrooms who might have an interest in building up a better book of business with electrical contractors, you know, and maybe gobble up some of that business that might go to electrical distribution right now, what would you say are a couple really key points for a lighting showroom to better work with electricians? Yeah, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the spirit of the game. (laughs) Um, Electricians are always going to go to distribution because they have a counter and they and they stop by the. Most of the electricians that does residential work are smaller outfits. I would say twelve and under. Probably the most predominant is six and under folks. And they don't have a big uh, warehouse facility like uh, Pace Electric Mm -hmm. does. Um, so they go get up in the morning. They, you know, when they're ready to go start a house, they'll drive over to the supply house. They'll pick up their wire, their boxes, their recess cans, mm-hmm. and that's the beginning of the end because they want the the cans. So even at Pace Lighting, we had tried to this program to deliver recess cans, and and it was going to be we, we, you know practically give them the cans just to buy the trims, you know, later, right. you know. So. Um, yeah, that's but if educating. Somebody, if them. somebody wanted to pivot a little bit and move away from just doing builder business, but maybe get into light commercial or whatever, is it really just about building a relationship with an electrical contractor who gives you a shot? Or is it like, is there some... In, uh, small is small there, guys. And is there some service that lighting showrooms can offer that you know that electrical distribution doesn't offer that might be a really great Well, there's two things that, uh, a couple of things come to mind. The recess cans are, if we still use recess cans, I don't know, six months from now, recess cans may be out the door with the faux recess. (laughs) But that was always a big thing because if you get, if you get what they need for the rough end, Mm -hmm. you know, then you've got almost a lock on selling some of the trim and the, the key is getting them into the store. So, so like at Pace Lighting, we actually opened up a city counter, mm-hmm. a little side door just for electricians mm-hmm. and builders to come in so they didn't have to go and into the showroom. And what's the status of that city counter right yeah, it's now? Cl- it's, it's closed. closed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, <clears throat> it was a good idea, though. Well, we some of the other products that we sell, um, that you all sell, we sell that um, are related to the industry but aren't really a light fixture, you know, smoke detectors, things like that. Um, we, um, a lot of manufacturers, those commercial manufacturers just won't cut you on or open an account with you unless you have a counter. Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing for me because I wanted to be able to buy more products and then light fixtures basically to feed our own business, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, so Anyway, that, that was the idea behind the city right. counter thing. So the, you, you can't think of back when you were younger and starting out something that 
you got always frustrated with from distribution that showrooms are able to solve, like whether it's storage or delivery, or is it really just all price-based for electricians or? Uh, it's just habit. habit. It, it's habit. They, they're going to like a gray bar or a mayor or, um, you know, city, or they're, they're going to have a favorite, you know, and, and they're going to, they're going to go there. Going to a lighting store is almost like an unnecessary stop. I guess if I had to attack it now, I would, I would go for smaller contractors that are doing residential work. And then I, you know, I, I try to book some business again through the, through the recess cans or have some of the, uh, uh, the other products, ship augers, a drill bit that the electricians like to use all the time, or some of those products that are offered through some of the, People that you do business with, like Positech or Dottie or, you know, those guys, Mineralac. Well, Mineralac's more commercial. Right. You're lucky okay. you have Mineralac. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, they, okay. <laughs> their, their, their thing is distri- commercial distribution. Right. So it, it's just really rooted in there. Um, the other side of that coin is you never, very rarely outside of um, national builders, are you ever going to have the electrician going back to the uh, light commercial distribution for the light fixture package? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they will for uh, multifamily because they think that the pricing is going to be that much better because the gray bar. I mean, you're not you're not going you know you're not ever going to beat a gray bar. You know, right. They're like number right. one That's in what I'm the saying. world. You yeah. Know? Um, <clears throat> so multifamily and commercial because you can't get a commercial rep to sell you. So. The, in the residential market, uh, picking out a dining room piece, a four-year piece, you know, things like that, uh, that's always going to go back to the um, the showroom, mm-hmm. but usually runs through the builder. Right. You know, so it's just a tough nut. You're going to stick with answer A, don't do it? Yeah, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> so I do have another question for you since you listen to me talk about stuff in the lighting industry all the time now, and you were in it for a very long time. Um, as an, as a semi outsider looking in now, what would you say is either like a key to success for lighting showrooms in the future or a big obstacle you envision for us? Like if you're looking into the future of lighting showrooms, what, what's your crystal ball say? Well, I, I, I think showrooms should break from the norm, you know, like your store is not the norm at all. You know, everything's cut in. It's mostly drywall. Whose idea was that? That was, uh, I don't the, remember. You can pat yourself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, that was actually a whole other can of worms. Right. <laughs> but, um, the, we don't have a lot of things laying around. Like I think a, a typical showroom may have medallions all stacked up against the wall or mirrors all stacked up against the wall. And it gets a little bit confusing, I think, for the homeowner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia Electric, uh, was it Georgia uh, Lighting, you know, when I was in there, which is a, an amazing store. It's huge. Uh-huh. But um, I did get a little confused. Right. You know, by all the vignettes that they had and all the stuff laying around. And it was a little overwhelming. And in... Uh, the Kristen Howard, the lady that helped me design the store, she, uh, you know, she was explaining to me that you only get a few seconds of attention with the customer. So you can't have too many things right next to each other or, or they'll get distracted. Mm-hmm. So that was the process behind doing like the lamp cubes that we have about keeping the light fixtures separated. 
having one on in the center, but the other two flanking it off or having those two on, but the one in the center off Mm -hmm. so that you can, yeah, if you leave it up to a homeowner, they're, they're going to muddle around your store all day. Right. You know, you've got to direct them. You've got to help them and make a decision and, um, just letting them wander and, uh, all I kind of like that. And, you know, when I'm in my little office up there in the showroom, I work on Mondays out of the store in my little cubicle, you know, so, (laughs) but I do, my door is open and our showroom has got a lot of windows in it. Even the offices have windows in it. But, um, so I hear the designers walking by with their customer Mm -hmm. and, that seems to be a popular area for the designers mm-hmm. to walk right by my office. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, you know, or the, or the homeowner is talking about, oh, I really like that, but I don't like this about it. And, you know, that's okay, but I don't like this about it. Well, somewhere along the line, you just need to stop them mm-hmm. and, and d- don't give them that much flexibility and say, no, this is the reason you like that first fixture and this is why we just need to move with it. Um, be it a salesperson or a designer. Right. I think. Right. So your big picture, put on your eagle eye glasses here, your big picture, long view of lighting showrooms of the future. You say be diversified, be uncluttered. What else? Well, I think one thing that was true then that I still should be true now on your main fixtures, once you know your area and you know what moves, that one to show, two to go thing is really important. Not for everything in the showroom. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to have some statement pieces that are just, you know, I have this fixture and this finish, but uh, I also have it in this style, you know. But um, on those fixtures, that are popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the bread and butter stuff, mushrooms, folk cans, things like that. Mm-hmm. You just need a warehouse full of that stuff. But um, the, the only real way, I think, to compete is let people walk out. I, when I'm in Lowe's, uh, it's amazing. I could be in Lowe's for 20 minutes, and I see paddle fans going out the door, Hurts bathroom little, fixtures going out the door. Hurts my little feelings every oh, time. Oh, I want to give them a card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, when they go to Lowe's or Home Depot, they're finding the fixture that Home Depot or Lowe's has that they can, they can kind of like. When they shop at a lighting store, they're looking for the perfect fixture. Right. So it's it's well a lot said. harder, yeah. you know. That's very and, well said. and then quite often the internet even makes it harder. And I know you've had an experience, you know, just the other week where girls were working really hard with this one customer, and they made a sale. And I think you said it was like six thousand dollar sale. Mm-hmm. And. Um, she goes home and she shops it and somebody violated IMAP and and then she calls back and she was demanding another 10 or 15% discount. It was 20. 20% <laughs> discount or else. Right. And even though she said it nicely, but she did say, or else I'm just going to buy it on the internet. So you spent all this time picking out this perfect fixture for this, these people. Uh, they enjoyed their experience. They loved the store. Everything was happy. They laid their credit card down, and you wrote up a sale. They only became unhappy after they found out they could save some money on it if they ordered online. That's that, that's got to be very frustrating for a business owner or even just a salesperson. I I don't know if most salespeople work off commissions in your in, in that industry or not, but. Um, whether it's a commission sale or not, it's still very frustrating to work that hard just to have it snatched away from you by this inanimate object, this computer screen and this thing called the internet, which we think is a living, breathing person. (laughs) Right. But it's not. And it it does demoralize a staff person who really thought they did a good job. Sucks the wind out of their staff. Yeah, exactly. 
Frankie, we have filled up our time. Do you have any final thoughts to share with the Light Files listeners? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being my guinea pig and doing this with me today. I hope it turns out the way you want it to. I'm sure it will. I okay. love you. Love you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Everyone, take care. I will talk to you again next time.